Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Monday Main Points here at Rosa Sherian Baptist Church. It is April 26, 2021, and uh, I am the associate pastor here, Jonathan Hendrickson, and I am joined with all my other pastor friends, brothers uh, here for Rosa Sharon, uh, Pastor, our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, children's <laughs> pastor, Blake Flincham, and uh, coughing there is uh, our youth pastor, Jeremiah Custer, making his presence. So I think he was upset that I introduced you first, Jeff. I think that's what it was. My mask on. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, we're glad that you're joining us here on the podcast. Um, we enjoy doing this and this is basically uh, what we do on Monday Main Point is we kind of look back, take a look back over at uh, Sunday morning's sermon and uh, discuss that uh, uh, amongst each other. Uh, we would do that anyway, but we're sort of inviting you into the room as we talk about the message, what we thought about it, some some deeper things, some questions that were raised, you know, as, as we were processing that and hopefully... Um, some of the things that we think about, some of the questions we that are raised for us or some of your questions as well, and uh, we can may, maybe um, together dig a little bit deeper into this into the sermon. This was a really interesting sermon, a great message uh, yesterday, um, and one that I think is um, uh, very relevant to our time, to our culture. And it was on, um, it was t- entitled The Falling Away. It comes, the, the central text is 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. And um, I, I'll just read the NLT version of that because it's in front of me right here. It says, Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, or a great falling away against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Now, the latter part of that verse we didn't really deal with because really what we want to talk about here and what we were taught and what the message focused on is this idea of this great rebellion against God or um, in the NKJV, the falling away. Um, or you may know it as it's more technical theological term, apostasy. Um, and so today we're going to talk about... Um, apostasy, falling away, what it means, what it doesn't mean, um, and how that really relates to us as Christians in um, 2021, especially Christians in 2021 after uh, a a year-long pandemic, because I think that there is some connection there, Jeff. I I think that that some of this um, uh, that we've gone through might actually cause some people to be um, questioning, doubting, those kinds of things. We can talk at length. Of, I think in talking about this, I'd also like to um, talk a little bit about doubt. We've done that a little bit on here before, but talk a little bit about doubt and and carving out a space for doubt in, in, in our churches. Uh, I think that is so important. Uh, but let's start with falling away. Um Whenever we use, at least in the theological sense, whenever we use that term apostasy or we talk about falling away, it raises some immediate questions. And I just kind of want to throw some of the things that I think some people would think about immediately. And I know some of this you touched on yesterday, but just for the podcast and just kind of set the tone for our, our discussion today. Um, what do we mean when we say falling away? Does that mean... For instance, uh, that someone can have salvation, true salvation, right? Have a true salvation experience, put their faith in Jesus Christ, 
and then lose that salvation. Because I think some people read this, and some people read that text, that uh, the Hebrews 6 text, uh, um, from Hebrews 6, 4 through 9, the one that starts off where it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened. And they stop there, right? <clears throat> oh, it's impossible to bring them back. If they, they were enlightened, then you can't bring them back. You know, it's they, they've done fallen away, right? That's my Kentucky. They, they've done fallen away. Because, um, <laughs> well, I, I'll just be honest. I told you guys this. Um, where I'm from, I'm from southeastern Kentucky, uh, if you can't ever tell by my accent. And uh, in, in the mountains of, of southeastern Kentucky and Appalachia, heavy dose of Pentecostalism, holiness, uh, holiness belief, where this idea is, is that you can absolutely lose your salvation. It's kind of legalistic, but that, that you can choose to follow it. You can choose, or you can lose your, your faith, lose your position as, as someone who's saved and secure. Uh, it's not as secure and in, in, in that um, if you misstep, you, 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 uh, you have unrepentant sin in your life, then um, you're bound for hell again, right? So is that what we mean when we talk about falling away, guys? <clears throat> I'm just opening up the table. Do I need to point to, here, I'll point to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. <laughs> I love that grunt. No, we don't. We don't believe that you can lose your salvation. I think right. everyone at the table uh, affirms what we call perseverance of the believer uh, or perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that if you're truly saved, then you'll stay saved. The problem is, is we see people all the time that seem to walk away. We thought they were saved. We thought they had a genuine faith, but uh, typically something major happens in their life, like a death or a tragedy, and um, then they'll walk away. Kind of gradually walk away sometimes, but they eventually walk away. So how do we mesh those things? Like, were they truly saved? Are they still saved? That's all kind of the questions, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to stop there for now and see if anyone else wants to clarify anything. And I'll, uh, I'll say one reason that we do believe in the perseverance of the saints, I would say it's based on Ephesians 1, um, 13 through 14. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And I would also go to Ephesians 2 where it says, it's by, um, by grace we're saved through faith. And it's a gift. Like it wasn't our salvation to begin with. It was a gift. And it's from God. So like we would say that we can't lose our salvation because it wasn't ours to lose. Like it's from God. It's all his. It's so, yeah, as, as, as a children's pastor, yeah, um, I mean, you, you, you see, um, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen some children who, who've made a decision to follow Christ. Um, I know, I know of kids as early as uh, the age of four that would profess to be a Christian. Um, uh, a lot of times it happens around the ages of seven, eight, somewhere around there. Um, they seem to be genuine, um, seem to, in their little childlike heart, <clears throat> with a childlike faith, <clears throat> um, affirm all the things that Christians affirm. They pray a prayer from their little hearts, um, might even cry. Um, they get baptized. And then, I don't know, somewhere around 17, 18, 
um, 19, they enter into college, and they question everything that they believe that they were led to believe, and then they say, "Yeah, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not. I, I, I I'm not. I don't believe that stuff anymore. I don't know that I ever really did." Is that person still saved? I mean, is that person still, uh, you know, I mean, sealed by the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit? You just read that in Ephesians 1. Does that mean that that 17, 18-year-old, even if they don't want to be saved, they're saved? What does that mean? Well, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. Um, well, that's exactly a softball. Right? <laughs> um, look, I'll say this. He's going to come to me now. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, it's coming around to you. You got to yeah. preach yesterday. I'm letting these guys talk. Yeah. Right, right. uh, look, I will say if they genuinely encounter the Lord, they are still saved. Okay. They are still saved. And there's and there's that age and from 17 to 21, those young years that there is like this natural kind of uh, you kind of want to go do the the forbidden a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, I'm not saying that they're not saved, but Scripture also says you'll know them by their fruits as well. Okay. Um, so I don't know that I can say they're saved or they're not, but I think a big part of uh, kids growing up in church and leaving is because they don't get a firm foundation in kids' ministry. I know a lot of times in kids' ministry, people are like, we got to get our kids saved. we got to get them saved. But... Like there's this big push for evangelism to get them saved, but there's not as big enough push for kids to be discipled. Yeah, uh, the way I, I they agree. Should be. I agree with that. And yeah. the thing is, like, if the kids don't have a foundation, mm-hmm. like if they have just the intellectual knowledge, and if they just have the intellectual knowledge, they're not prepared for youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And if they're not prepared for youth ministry, they're not going to be prepared for college ministry. And so that's why you know my heart is to develop devoted disciples like you know their slogan is here so they can have that foundation that that can propel them so that they won't ever lose the faith if that i i hope that answers your question no no that's good good. so so jeff i I will go to you um so i get what he's saying about 17 to 21 somewhere around there that it is a time where you question you you wrestle those kinds of things there's eventually a settling into your faith that happens right but then what do you say about these guys like Josh Harris or, um, or you know, that, that, that have led a church as a pastor, have led other people to faith, and then they say, nah, by all the measures and standards, I'm not a Christian, right? How could they have done all the things that they did prior to that decision and say, were they were they not Christian then? And actually, further, let's go one step further back than that. Are the people that they led to led during that time, the people that they were pastoring during that time, does that mean their salvation experiences are forfeit too? So talk a little bit about that. <laughs> well, that last part, if, if they're dependent on a man or somebody preacher to save them, then yeah, I mean they're not saved. Okay. But if their salvation was genuinely through Jesus Christ, yes, they're saved. Even if, even if the guy... Yeah, like, regardless if the pastor was... Now he's saying apostate. He mm-hmm. was still preaching. Even Paul says that some people preach. Out right. of, um, uh, I can't remember the, the exact words he's saying, but he's just saying there's some people out there preaching that really don't believe it, but they're preaching. Yeah. The message is still going well, I think out. it's in Philippians, right? Yeah, somewhere like that. Right. <clears throat> but... Um, so, I mean, it brings up a big question because I think part of the falling away is is people do have a faith 
commitment, maybe when they're young. Mm-hmm. And they do fall away. It used to be called the boomerang. And then they start having kids, and then boomerang back to church. Mm-hmm. But in our case right now, there's no, shot put. <laughs> there's no boomerang back to church right. because these people are genuinely like, okay. It's like I was saying, it's kind of practical apostates. Mm-hmm. They're, like, they're living their life. They don't need the church. They don't want the church. Um, so, And they're not raising their kids back in the church. So they, they don't even see the need of, well, my kid needs to have this. You know, foundation. So, so I think that's all part of the great falling away. Um, About the perseverance, you know, we believe in the perseverance of saints. If you're saved, you're going to persevere. And so, if you think about it, if you give your life to Christ when you're six, by the time you're 85, how many things are going to are going to go on in your life that's going to challenge your faith? It's going to challenge your belief that you're going to struggle with sin. You're going to you're going to go through a whole gamut of things. Sure. But the thing is, you walk with Christ through it all. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happens is some people in their walk, they, they fall away. They, they literally, they fall off the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we had a funeral where a guy was quoting scriptures. And he, stood, and he quoted like two or three scriptures that had perseverance in there. But he misquoted, he kept saying, preserve. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I was like, oh, he's mispronouncing it. But that's really what it is. We persevere through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but God is actually the one that preserves us. He's the one that, you know, that seal he's talking about. So if we're truly saved, if we truly had a, uh, a regenerate, born-again experience, mm-hmm. uh, God's always going to try to bring us back. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring us back. So He's going to try to. So the question then is, what did you build on that foundation uh, and I've, I've used that analogy plenty of times that Paul uses that right. you're going to build wood, hay, and stubble. So, so what you could have done in your Christian life then, because you fell into sin or fell away or decided I don't want to really follow, if you really were truly repentant, then all that goes up in smoke. So there's a lot of questions. I didn't really go into a lot of the, the details on all that, but I did leave the room open. I believe, like Jeremiah probably is going to say later on, that if you're true, these these apostates truly probably weren't truly uh, regenerate Christians to begin with. So and that's can, why they become apostates. But I left the door open, you know, when I had the uh, the whole idea about divorce, people remarrying. It's very very rare that that God yes can if this if if it really is a rare situation where somebody that is born again falls away, but then decides to come back. That's the key. Come back to God. Then he's going to bring them back into you know recommitment or rededication, refollowing him. Would we call that a, a divorce or more like a se- time of separation? Well, uh, the re- divorce, re- divorce re- feels re- so like divorce feels so final to me. Well, that's what the that's the what the root word of apostate. But then that would seem to think that that would seem to in, in, imply to me that it's possible for me to divorce divorce God and remain divorced and die divorced. Yeah, and how many women do you know, or how many men do you know, divorce their spouse, mm-hmm. and they live their life hoping and wanting and thinking that person's going to come back, and mm-hmm. they never do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so God didn't divorce us. Okay, on the falling away, we're saying we're divorcing you. We're divorcing the church. We're divorcing, divorcing what we believe in. We're falling away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the way I look at that. God's the covenant holder. Uh, 
our salvation is not dependent on us. It's, it's all literally dependent on what Jesus did for us and our right. response to that. Right. So, so I mean, it's a real, I mean, it's a bigger, it's a bigger theological question than we it have. is. But I did, I didn't want someone to leave the church thinking if I've fallen away, that I'm falling away forever, and I'm not going to be able to be saved. Right. And I think so that's. I think a, apostates can be saved. And I think the divorce analogy goes to that too, that it's very, very rare because then they've got to come back and say, well, everything I just denounced, I'm really coming back to saying it's true. Right. Now, how, how many people would have the gumption to do that or the... Right. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm with you okay. there. I, I am with you. Um, I, I just... Um, I, 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 I mean, the thing is, this word is only found one time and we've created a whole theological... That's uh, true, a right? A whole theological doctrine on a word that's fa- where found twice. Right. That Paul's accused of being apostate in Judaism, and then he uses this word right here. Right. And, 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 and you know, John, you, you mentioned John's. Yeah, the, and they the use all the way, but it's like scandal. It's different. It's a different Greek word. Right. But, but the idea, that, like, in the John will say is that, that well, if they, if they left us, then they were never with right. us to begin so with. So he reinforces... But, so what were you going to say, Jeremiah? Yeah, you were yeah I was just going to caution, like, we all believe, I think we all believe this, Jeff just said it, um, that apostates or people who have fallen away can come back, right? Right. But I think the scriptures put a warning or a caution to those people because it's, uh, it basically says it's going to be more difficult yes. to come back. Um, because basically the Bible teaches that the Lord kind of allows or gives you what you want. If this is what you want, he he almost pushes you out the door in some way. Not pushes you out the door. He's, he's not acting he on this. But he allows you to walk away, but then says, <clears throat> there's... So is he preserving me when I walk away? I'm still confused on this. And I want to clarify this, because... Because in one hand, I think we're talking about, okay, well, perseverance of the saints is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit preserves that person. Holy Spirit is. But then on the other hand, we're saying, but somebody can willfully just, you know, divorce God. And if they stay in that state, that they would go to hell. Yeah. That doesn't sound like perseverance well, of the saints. I didn't say they were going to go to hell. Right. Well, that's what I want. And I, I, that's what I want to, I guess, clarify. What do you mean when you say that? No, those who walk away were never saved to begin with. Okay. They weren't Christians. Okay. And so they're not. Walking away and then doomed to hell, they were condemned already. Okay, right? okay, okay. Cool. They weren't Christians. So if you can walk away, it's because you weren't a Christian. Okay. I, I, I follow that. And so then, but the Bible cautions those that walk away from, you're not really walking away from anything. You just never truly accepted or never were really saved. You were deceived in your own heart and you deceived others who thought you were also saved, if that makes sense. And this is where it gets... It gets really tricky because I'll tell you, in listening to some deconstructed faith stories, and and they're out there, what someone will say is, you know, people question whether I was ever really a Christian to begin with, but it was genuine to me. Yeah. It was very genuine to me. I just don't believe it now. Yeah. And, and, and this was coming from someone, uh, in fact, that statement was made from someone from a Reformed tradition who believes in perseverance of the saints, mm-hmm. right? Who, who, who um, was holding to that idea from, um, they went to a more Reformed church and stuff. But they, and they'll tell you, I wasn't just a Christian in name only. I really believed it, wholly devoted my life to it. 
It's just that now I don't. That it seems as though they've made a choice. And I, and I guess that's where I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, that, and I think that's where our struggle is right now in this culture we live in because the culture has so dominated everything in our lives now that uh, people of faith or young people, I mean, it used to be maybe you have one or two professors that you're kind of like when you take them, you know that, but I mean, now it's the whole culture. The whole yeah. culture is basically anti-Christ or anti-church or anti-belief. Well, so, I, 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 so it's very difficult for people that maybe they were genuine and then they get exposed to this and the, and they and they fall away from their genuine faith. I mm-hmm. mean, is this part of the great falling away? I uh, mean, look at Europe. You know, it fell away from quote Christianity. Oh, certainly. I mean, their churches are now museums. Yeah. That, you know, sure. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jay. Yeah. You were you had a point you were trying to make. I just I'm, yeah. I guess the point is, if I made it as simple as possible for me, mm-hmm. is that if you can walk away then you weren't a believer even if you felt like it was genuine before mm-hmm. if you can walk away because then the bible teaches that if like for me this is how i feel i feel like i can't walk away but i also feel like i don't want to mm-hmm. and that's why when these stories happen you examine yourself yeah because when Je- judas when jesus said one of you is going to betray me every single disciple said is it i that's what the scripture says. Every single yeah, one said, right. is it I? Which means it would have been in the heart of each one of them. Yes, to have and that's what, the whole, that's what I think, yeah. that's the whole wraparound I was trying to make is that, yeah, when you see this, you know, don't really like get so caught up in that, but examine your own heart and then think about your family and have discussions with them say, are you really, are you in? Are you all in? Mm. You know, mm. let's bring the boomerang back. I mean, these people did make a faith commitment. Why aren't they still involved? Why aren't they still following Christ? Sure. That's something we need to find out. So. Like you had some you were going to interject um, there. I'm yeah, sorry. no, you're good. Back to what you were saying, like when these people were saying, like, you know, I felt like it was genuine. I felt this. I want to ask the question based on the word felt. Like, is this, I, I would have to ask, like, I think the possibility has to come up, like, was this like a just like this mystical feeling or something like that? No, and the, maybe the, the you person, can no, the elaborate person, what yeah, the, the actual individual yeah. I'm talking about is um, had a very much a um, would tell you that wasn't just based on emotions. Yeah. Uh, they were they were uh, dedicated to it with with mind and heart, um, and it, like I said, made made life choices, life decisions that uh, were in line with someone who had surrendered their life to Christ. I mean, um, not just, not just a, a, I know what you're talking about, like somebody who makes a rash emotional decision. Yeah. This is someone who made an intellectual and emotional decision, right, to follow and would t- say that during the time that they were Christian, uh, call, saying that they're not Christian any longer, um, during that time that they were absolutely... 100%. I mean, if you talk to like a Bart Ehrman, Bart Ehrman would say that mm-hmm. there was a time that he was academically invested. I mean, he, he wasn't just, this wasn't just somebody who was just, you know, cried some tears at the altar one day because he, he you know, he, he was felt guilty over something he had done. This was somebody right. who had intellectual assent to the teachings of, of Scripture and then later decided that, I don't know if I believe that. Well, That's, I mean, the guy was a founder with Billy Graham of Youth for Christ. You're talking you know, about yeah. Jack Templeton. Yeah, mean. right. So, I mean, and that's the thing is this happens. Yeah. And I think today with social media, 
it's it's just amplified so much because before um, maybe you would know about somebody or maybe you wouldn't and so I think it shines the light then on what we were talking about earlier in the church then of people that pro- profess Christ they're not in the church anymore they're right. not really following Christ they're not raising their children following Christ so so are they then apostate or are they practical apostate or are they really apostate and they're just they're just anonymous everyday people that aren't going to make the spotlight right and that's and that's what we have to examine our hearts and, and to go to that and you and I have talked about this so I'm, I'm going to go to you Jeremiah um, I do think that there is um, there's obviously we've named a few names here um, people that are in the in the spotlight who are telling their deconversion stories, right? Or their deconstruction stories as a testimony. Um, and those stand out because they're, they're very public. These are public figures. You know, I'm thinking like the, the guy from Hillsong, the, the, the worship leader from Hillsong, Mark. Josh Harris, um, uh, the, the two guys from Good Mythical Morning, you know, just... Uh, those skeletons lead singer. Well, no, no, he, you know, John Cooper the it, is is the opposite. So John Cooper hasn't ever he he actually is speaking out against those guys who are. Who oh, are, he can't because he said he was just had a lot of doubt. Is no, that the one that had the doubt? No, no, no. That's um. So Cooper has Cooper is actually the guy who wrote the. Oh yeah, the he thing was the one on, that came strong. What it, yeah? What 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 in the world's came happened with Christianity? Right. He he's on the other side of that. That's right. Right. But but um. For every one of these public figures, Jeremiah, that are that are being amplified on social media, doesn't that represent maybe hundreds, if not thousands, of, of lay people who are having the same struggle, but just don't have the platform for it? And if so, I mean, like, what what do we do with that? If if there are that many people, and there there may or may not be, we don't know, right? Because they're not they're not being vocal. They don't have the platform that. That you know, Josh Harris has, or whatever. Um, so, what do we do with that? Uh, is is there this notion of um, lots of people dealing with the struggle who are contemplating leaving the faith? Yeah. So, I think there's a lot more of those, even even exponentially more of those who who aren't in the spotlight that leave the faith. The reason those ones who are in the spotlight. Um, are louder or more significant is because they have they are, were active. We would say they were active in their faith uh, to the point of even their job was reflected by it, and sure. their family and everything they were was kind of consumed in Christianity. Right. So when they fall away, it's like, or when they walk away, um, it's like, it's like what happened? How does this? But uh, yeah, I think they're they're a representation of of millions. Uh, oh, I, I don't know why I said millions, but a ton of people I don't think who, it would be who have around the world. Well, yeah, it's got to be right. There's so many people, but um, that that have these active doubts that they're struggling with it even right now, and and uh, and it's they're they're kind of one tragedy away from just walking. Well, away. you know, there are. Um, I know this from from my study and, and apologetics and stuff. There are atheists um, who believe that that number is exceedingly large, and they make it their sole goal to out those people. Right? They're trying to out them. In fact, I 
I'm trying to remember the guy who did it. Uh, can't his name's escaping me right now. But there was one guy who had a whole project where they went and interviewed all these pastors, and with this with the goal of trying to find pastors who were in that number, mm. and they found a large percentage of pastors who were in that number, and tried to sort of coach them out of the out out of their doubt closet to uh, to 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 sort of. Uh, denying their faith and and uh, and so there are people who are making it their goal to do this um, because they see it as a quest for truth right I mean it's not a it's not a malicious thing it sounds malicious when we put it that way it's not a malicious thing they're just saying if they're if that's the case then maybe Christianity isn't quite as strong as what it appears to be on the surface if there's this many people who are struggling with doubt yeah if I'm being honest, I think it's partially uh, it's partially our fault. Like even even me growing up, I had Sunday school teachers and sometimes even higher up leaders who I taught who I feel like taught a watered down gospel. Mm-hmm. And if you're always taught a watered down gospel, mm-hmm. let's just say one instance, the hellfire and brimstone that was taught what thirty years ago, twenty years ago, even mm-hmm. that was just kind of overemphasized. Like scare what it, people into heaven. What it produced is people who were scared to go to hell. Right. Not people who were Christians. Mm-hmm. And and so now you you flash forward thirty years later from those people, right? Mm-hmm. And now when when stuff hits the fan, right? When when rubber meets the road, they have this crisis of faith. You can't stand on. Well, I'm scared to go to hell anymore. That's not a. That's not a firm foundation to stand on. Yeah. Right, and so, yeah. of course, you walk away. Mm-hmm. But I would say they were never saved thirty years ago. They felt saved. Maybe they might have made an intellectual. And I'm not saying this is a hundred percent everyone. Right. Right. I think that. I think some people had genuine faith, found genuine faith despite what was being preached, in my opinion. But. Um, yeah, so they hit they hit crisis like someone dies in their family, especially maybe someone that died apart from the faith. And they're like, well, are they in hell? Everyone's saying they're in heaven because they were a good person. But I think in general, I think the problem is, and John tells us, First John four straight up says this, like, like there's this spirit of uh, the antichrist, which he says is already here. Mm-hmm. Another topic for another time, but. He says it's already here, and it's these false teachers going against the 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 true spirit, right? Because the the spirit is another aspect of this. Like, do these people receive the spirit and then lose the spirit? Yeah. If they walk away, right, right. Um. So there's there's a ton to it, but I think I think by and large the problem is 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 we've got to be careful to preach the right gospel, to preach the entire gospel, and and make certain that that's what people are accepting um that that's what people are are right. giving their life to because that produces more genuine believers right so i think that uh, um something else that i think and, and I, I mentioned this at the top of the podcast is um as someone who has struggled with doubt but not have fallen away from the faith i've not walked away from my faith um i think that there's a good number of people. I don't know how many, but I think there's a good number of people from my experience. By the way, it's Daniel Dennett who who did that study. Um, the atheist Daniel Dennett, secular humanist Daniel Dennett, <laughs> um, who did that study on pastors leaving the faith. But I, um, 
I think it's a good idea if we know that there are this large number of people who are struggling with doubt. Um, like how important is it and, and, and just how important is it? And I'll, I'll, I'll say the follow-up question for Jeff. How important is it to carve out a space for those people to express their doubt freely um, um, and, 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 and not feel uh, condemned by, by their struggle? Yeah, I mean, it's vital because I think, uh, you know, being from Appalachia as well, you know, I know a lot of times growing up and not my family, but a lot, I know a lot of other people in church who, you know, you come to them with doubts, they're just going to scare you with the topic of hell, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and to address the doubt genuinely, you have to address the doubt and not scare people away from having a genuine concern. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like if somebody, like if somebody ever came up with a, and needed help with one of them, you know, we would never scare them away. We'd like come, you know, this is a safe space. And that's what the church has to do. I think there's like this, uh, I don't know what you call it, but there's like this idea, stigma, whatever, that doubt, doubting is sin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that, I don't know that it necessarily is, but you gotta, we gotta address people's doubts because if we don't, secularism will. Yeah. If yeah. we don't, secularism will. Mm-hmm. And then what secularism does, it is much, much harder to get them back in the faith. Yeah. And we have to not only fight for our own faith, but being a part of the gospel community, we have to fight for others' faith right. as well. Right. So we've got to we gotta do a better job in that area. So Jeff, what are some practical steps that we can take as as Christians, as church leaders, as pastors, as a church as a whole, to to do just that, to carve out that space for doubt without without also like losing the, the idea of the integrity of the gospel, right? Right, right, we, right. You, you get what I'm saying there. Yeah, because uh, I would say that doubt is not a sin, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the disciples doubted at one time or another. In fact, even after the resurrection, one of my favorite verses yeah. in the scripture, after they see Jesus... It says, and and still, still some doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it's like he's like ascended in front of them. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think the, the Bible makes room for doubt, but you don't want to stay in your doubt. Sure. And sure. sometimes you may be doubting during a time in your life, a period in your life, and, and you get some questions answered. But that doesn't mean later on in life. 20 years later, you may have some doubts about something else. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we have to be honest. I mean, number one, you got to be honest with people. Yep. And so you have doubt, I doubt so, or I hope so, mm-hmm. or maybe so, mm-hmm. or I know so. And mm-hmm. for the most part, everybody wants to, to, to hammer home the know so. Oh, you can know. And so what happens then, if someone says, maybe they're doubting their salvation, or maybe they didn't really were a believer when they were younger mm-hmm. and they don't they just don't know it and then the person that's the no so person say no if you prayed that prayer and you confessed and you were baptized remember you were six years old we took you down there you're saved you're saved you're saved well maybe that person's really not mm-hmm. but we're hammering home a moment in time with them like my brother you know i kept saying you are you sure because you know he's 20 something years old well he's lived 50 years Outside of a church, not belonging to anything, wasn't baptized or anything like that. So how would I would say that that yeah you made a genuine 
uh, a genuine um, statement of faith then, um, I would hope that maybe he did. Right. I would pray that maybe he did. I'm going to pray that God's grace extends the favor to him that maybe he was and just didn't live for him. Right. So, I mean, we, we've got to come to the point where we're honest with people and we don't try to pigeonhole people into maybe a time and a place, but maybe uh, 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 what are you doing with your life? I right. mean, how are you living your life? And and then and then be approachable and don't come at people with all the answers and be honest and say, you know, I really don't know the answer to that. Right. And I, But I'm willing to walk with you and help you find the answer to that. Jim, I've got a, a, a sort of follow-up question that I'll ask you. And uh, just heads up, I think this is a little bit of a tougher question. Um, but I'm curious as to your as to your thoughts. Oops, sorry about that sound. <laughs> the um, I was watching a video last night as part of a, a class I'm teaching. Okay, and uh, it has to do with a, a guy who was doing the very thing I was talking about. It, like he makes his his, his mission to uh, to go on college campuses to interview people about their beliefs in hopes of showing them that their supernatural beliefs, including beliefs of Christianity, are based on faith alone and not evidence, and that they're therefore questionable, right? But the thing that caught my attention is um, he was asking these two young gentlemen, you know, if they had any supernatural beliefs, both of them said were Christians, were actually uh, leaders of a Christian organization on our campus. And then he said this, he said, on a scale of one zero to a hundred, what percent sure are you of your of those beliefs? And he said, because I'm interviewing both of you guys at the same time, I just just you know try not to influence each other. And so they counted three, and both of them said a hundred, hundred percent. And it got me thinking: if someone's not a hundred percent sure about those beliefs, does that mean that they're not Christian? That they that they haven't completely sold like like in order to totally surrender do I have to be a hundred percent certain of my beliefs? Um, if I was say eighty five percent certain, but I left fifteen percent of you know un, 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 uncertainty, um, does that mean that I'm less saved yeah. or 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 not saved at all? In fact, because I haven't given that fifteen percent over. Uh, to God. What, what do you think? Don't judge me, but I don't know if I would say I'm 100%, just to be honest. I mean, 100% means you, you, you're you 100%. You trust everything without question, without, without doubt, without caveats, without nuance, right? Like you just, you're 100% in. And yeah. I am. I believe I'm 100% in in Christianity, but there's still questions that I have that I don't feel like I've got a great answer for or there's still things that I trust blindly that I don't really have good evidence for if that makes sense I just I read it in the scriptures so if I was I would probably be I don't know if I gave a percentage maybe 90 95 percent but I would want to leave like some percentage there for because uh, I might believe something at a hundred percent and it'd be wrong yeah, um, and because I've been wrong before, and people have showed me from the scriptures, and I'm, I've been convinced a different direction from the scriptures. So I, 
I don't think it's wrong to be less than a hundred. I don't. I don't think you're not a Christian to be less than a hundred. I know I took forever answering that, but uh, I wanted to clarify and show you that I'm not a non-believer when I say I'm not. To 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 be fair, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. And maybe one of the reasons why I'm asking that question is because I'm like, so does that mean I'm less than Christ? Maybe I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I would say I would say in in my relationship with Christ, I'm one hundred percent sure that I have a relationship with Christ and that he saved me. Okay. As far as Christianity and the church and doctrines and end times and all the other things that come along with that, uh-huh. uh, I would probably be like 85% sure of a lot of the stuff. Right. But yeah, there's room for like maybe you grew up and you were taught one way about certain things and you find out what <laughs> I think that teaching was kind of wrong. Right. You know, like I grew up in the, you know, you had to have your hair cut short. You had to wear long pants, things like that. Well, that, no, that's not in Scripture. Right. I would have complete doubt about all that stuff. So I think there's room. I think the main thing is having that relationship with Christ. I think that's the one you could probably be 100% on. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm 100% married because I got married. We both said I do. And, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, and so that's the same thing. I know that I have a relationship with him. But there is room for growth because I think sometimes we have to mature, we have to grow. And if we come across that we know everything, then that comes across wrong too. And I think that's that's the thing when people come into church, and maybe they have doubts and they think, well, this person up here knows everything and they don't have any doubts. Something is wrong with me. I, know I would say something is wrong with the person mm-hmm. that's the 100% sure about everything. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know you, want to, you, you want to throw your answer in on this, too? It's a, it's <laughs> yeah, a tough question. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with both my brothers here. Um, and I would say that you don't have to completely understand everything in order to be all in for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I can probably tell you that the disciples afterwards, they, you know, when they're in prison or you know, they're snake bitten, shipwrecked, whatever. I, the question why, I'm sure, probably came across their mind. Well, John the Baptist, right. when he said that, came to mind. He sent his disciples to Jesus and said, Look, ask him if he's really the Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Because I'm getting ready, this get, is the guy's I'm getting own ready to probably die here in this you prison. Kill for this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, and so I think you don't have to understand everything to be all in, mm-hmm. but you just have to say, Look, I'm all in. And. Christianity is like costly. Like Jesus says, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him daily. Yeah. And I think a part of our doubt is we got to understand that. Look, I have some doubt, and it's genuine doubt sometimes. But we're going to trust the Lord, and we got to yeah. follow through. And even if we don't know all the answers, we do have to trust. Right. And it's okay to ask questions. Um, I tell my kids that in kids ministry, like, hey, it's okay to ask questions because if we never ask questions, we never get answers. That's right. And we want answers. And there's nothing wrong with wanting answers. And we see that through Scripture. Right. The only bad question is the unasked one. Right. Yeah. So uh, to to kind of, I I think of it in terms of, I like the fact that you guys are using the term all in um, when it comes to our relationship because I look at, I look at it like this. I've, I've, I've studied and looked at all the other answers for worldviews and the big, you know, big answers, big solutions to the problem. And I've evaluated those critically and looked at them and, and thought about them seriously, considered them. And the only one that I, that I see that doesn't come up lacking is Christianity. That's right. 
It's the only one that, that seems satisfying enough to me. And so I sold all the rest of it and bought this. Having bought that, though, to go back to Jeremiah, just like any other purchase I make sometimes, sometimes I will evaluate my purchase. Buyer's remorse. And I've got buyer's remorse, right? Or, or I'll, not buyer's remorse, but at least I'm like, I'm open to the fact of, okay, is there a, is there a better solution out there? Right? Is there, is there, did I, did I, did I, have I bought the wrong thing here? Because I've bought it, right? I'm, I'm in on it. I've, I've made it my life. And, but that doesn't mean that I don't look at it critically still. Yes. It doesn't mean that I don't um, leave some room, like you said, Jeremiah, 5% or whatever for, for, for examination or doubt. Because I'm like you, Jeff, for, for those people who are ever 100% certain of anything, it's, I don't know that there's a whole lot in this world that I am 100% certain of anyway. I'll just be honest. I'm part of that's because I'm a skeptic. Part of it's, you know, just I, death. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but you get what I'm saying. Yes. I, and so I, so for the purposes of that and, and, and as far as falling away, um, I have in, in my struggle with doubt in my struggle with, with things it's gotten, it's been crippling before for me. Um, and I've, I've considered, well, wouldn't it just be easier instead of trying to struggle and, 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 and wrestle and all those things? Wrestling's not fun. Struggling's not fun. Nobody enjoys doing that. Wouldn't it just be easier just to say, forget the whole thing and live like the rest of the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's what a lot of people do. Just forget it all and live like the rest of the world lives. Live as much of an existence as I can that way and, and mm-hmm. leave this behind because this is too much of a struggle for me intellectually and it's you know I should you know I, I, that that sort of thing but the problem I have guys is that I am so married to Christianity and so interwoven with God that to remove him from my life would be to take me with it does that make sense mm-hmm. it would literally rip who I am apart and I think that's why Paul says it's impossible. Because if, if I could walk away, and I don't think I can, mm-hmm. if I could, um, then it, I wouldn't, ex- I don't think I as myself would exist any longer. I, it, it would, I couldn't be who I am because I'm so woven with God, so woven with Christ. And that's our identity. Yeah, and right. That's our identity so, so, as Christians, we don't say like, I like I I wouldn't say like I'm like I'm blatant, you know I'm in the carnal and you know I'm like look I'm a new creation and you know I'm a more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus and I, everything like like how Hillsong says I am who you say I am right and that just like you said it's like you're so married to that it'd be hard to leave sometimes you know like any relationship you're not happy with God sometimes you don't understand why he works the way he does but he is good yeah, he is good, and he, I don't know. Yeah, so 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 to put it in so to put it in other terms, um, I'm a massive Kentucky fan. I grew up in Kentucky, so I'm a huge UK fan. There is a world in which I could give up my Kentucky fandom and still be Jonathan. Mm-hmm. It's not the same when it comes to Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's my whole worldview, right? It's it's everything that I am is is tied up in him, and, and so that's why I think Paul says it's impossible to walk away, Jeff. Um, I 
I think it's hard. Now, for someone who is not interwoven, right? And never had that weaving. Casual Christians, nominal Christians, if I struggle Christians. If I've had that question, look, dude, if I've had that question before, if I've thought, man, it would just be easier just to give it up. Yeah. It's just, it's too hard. It's it's difficult. I, I don't really, you know, I don't enjoy the, the struggle always and, and, and such. And why not just go and live like the rest of the world and nobody would hate me for it? Mm. Um, man, if I thought that, then how many of the people either listen to this podcast or out there in the world or even in our church pews have had the exact same thought? And let's be real, in America, in 2020, it's easier to yes. walk away now yes. than it would be in, say, 1950s. Mm-hmm. Certainly. If you walk away from Christianity in the 1950s, you're, you're seen as weird. Mm-hmm. But in 2020, you're applauded. Yeah. Yes. That's a good point. And so like, we might see more falling away now. But that's just because it's easier to fall away now. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about, you know, the, the last point you made, and I, we're, we're running out of time here, but the last point you made was about the fact that we know that it's going to intensify. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on a very practical level, of course it's going to intensify because the further we get from those events, the harder it's going to be for people to accept them as true, right? Mm. The further we get away from the events that happened 2,000 years ago, the easier it's going to be for people to forget the significance of those events, especially as more and more people, more and more other ideas are being introduced. So, so the choices now for, 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 uh, for someone to find answers are myriad, um, whereas it's, at another time, especially in America, the choices were probably few and probably boiled down to are you going to be Catholic or are you going to be Protestant, right? right. And at one time in America... Being a part of a church and being a Christian was actually a plum on your resume. Right. And people expected it and the community expected it. And perhaps it. now it's not even a plum. So no, it's now, kind of now, you. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now oh, we're, yeah. we're in a total different uh, world-dominated Antichrist spirit kind of situation where... So... Uh, and I was going I was going to share these stats, but I didn't get a chance to. I kind of cut the message short. But they did a, a survey post-pandemic of young people just to kind of see where they're at. Like, it's college age, uh, high school to college age. Okay. And um, 48% of the people declined to say they were part of any religious order. They just like, I'm not saying anything. And then 16 said they prefer not to say. So the vast majority either didn't have one or preferred not to say. Um, 15% said something else, 10% atheist, and 7% agnostic. Mm. Of those that said they were religious, 23% were Catholic, mm-hmm. 14% evangelical Protestant, mm-hmm. 6% Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, 4% Jewish, mainline Protestants, 3%. Mm-hmm. And Muslims, 2%. And so if this survey would have been in the 50s, that mainline Protestant would have been right right up there next to evangelical Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So when you see this falling away, it's falling away. It's not just Baptist, but it's it's an overarching. Sure. And it's not even just Christianity. It's overarching falling away from religion um, worldwide, and especially here in America. And these mainline churches, it's really sad that... that, that uh, we did a rant for a lady who goes to a church for these people that go to the Civitan Club with me that's 
a prominent Methodist church in, in the Bragtown area, and she said they're going to close the doors mm. after the pandemic. And, I, and just today I was reading my Christianity feed, and they had all these houses that people had bought and converted, convert, I mean, yeah, homes that used to be churches. Wow. In fact, uh, Jay-Z's church house down in New Orleans was a cathedral. Mm. And he and Beyonce turns it into this big mansion. Yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> so we see these, and I think that's the point too I was trying to get across. I don't know if I did a good job of it. Bringing people to Christ and their relationship with Christ. Because most people's answer would be, if I was going to talk to my grandchildren or great-grandchildren, it's like, you need to be in church. Right. Why aren't you in church? Yeah, yeah. That's not really the question or the it's, answer. It's, it's not, the question it's not. is, or do you have a relationship with Jesus now? What are you going to do about it? Right. You need to be involved somewhere where you can grow in your faith and have your doubts yeah. answered all. So, so we're just in this situation where, like you said, it's, it's inevitable it's going to happen, but it seems to be multiplying right before our eyes so quickly that it's almost... How do you stop it? How do you even slow it down? Well, I think I think I think part of it goes back to something Jeremiah said earlier, because I think for for a lot of those young people, from the conversations I've had with them, a lot of them are leaving the faith over a misunderstanding of what the faith even is. Um, they see Christianity as as politically aligned, um, and they see that um, it's it's. Uh, it goes against some of the things that they but, believe. I mean, we think about it, they still want to be believers. The mainline church politically aligns with their political beliefs right now, but they're the one in the hugest decline right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so so I, I think that there's a, uh, um, I think there's a misunderstanding of what Christianity is. And so I think it's really vitally important that we get back to what Jeremiah said, which is the true gospel. And look, and not Jesus us. and Jesus never said, you know. I, I think about the book that um, I can't remember the guy Kyle Eidelman wrote um, called "Not a Fan," and his whole his whole thing with "Not a Fan" was, look, Jesus wasn't after spectators. Mm. If he 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 wasn't after stadiums full of people. In fact, he thought that that the the genuine number would be much the genuine number of followers would be far smaller than those who were fans. Mm. And the question is, do you want to be a follower? Or do you want to be a fan? And I think that the people who were fans of, of Christianity aren't fans of Christianity any longer because there's other things they can put their fandom to. Again, they're not interwoven, right? I can I can I can change fandoms. I can't change like who I follow. Who I follow. And I think that's the big thing. We need to get back to genuine followership. Um, and that goes back to what you said, like about discipleship and making room for people to, to have those hard conversations with us and us not shrinking away from that. And then just getting back to what Christianity is real, really all about, which is a hope, a hope beyond this life that's secured through the, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, securing for us a, a relationship with God the Creator um, who desires to be with his creation. And that's that's it, right? Yeah. And that's what we want to get back to. Um, that's what we need to be about. So. And to give some more hope, I think in Matthew 16, you know, Jesus says, um, you know, my church, when he's talking about his church, he says the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it seems like the gates of hell is prevailing, but Jesus says that my church, he alone, his architectural design, it will not fail. 
Yeah. And it's going to be great. It is. It is. And that's the hope we do have because Jesus made that promise to yeah. us. And it's going to persevere. We just uh, we continue to do our part. Well, listen, it's been great. Um, Jeff, do we know where we're going next week? Yeah, I think we're going to stay in Hebrews. I'm thinking of doing a passage about, uh, and you actually using it as our memory verse about uh, coming boldly to the throne of grace. Oh, I like that. Find help in time of need. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, that's where good. we're going to go this Sunday. Then we've got Mother's Day afterwards. Uh, so, yeah. They give you kind of a little, little preview of things to come. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I know this has been a slightly longer edition of Money Main Point. Hope you've enjoyed this. I've thoroughly enjoyed this discussion, guys. Um, you know, if you enjoy this, share it with other people. May, uh, um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to let other people know about it. And uh, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. If you have questions about anything we talked about today, we talked about some difficult stuff. And if you have questions about it or things that you'd like to discuss with us, we'd love to meet with you, even if it's over the phone or on the Zoom or in person. We're, we're available. Uh, we appreciate you, and we look forward to talking to you. Uh, tuning in to us uh, next Monday. So until then, have a great week.